0: Welcome to the geek Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Marvel's Hawkeye. You're, you're Hawkeye. And who the hell are you? My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for Hawkeye, episode one, titled, Never Meet Your Heroes. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode, then go watch it, and then come right back and join us faster than a speeding arrow. Uh, Now, before we're all jumped by a bunch of bros, let me introduce you to all the hot guys... Joining us today, first up, he's a straight shooter whose aim with a camera is right on target. He's Justin Lawrence.
1: Sup, bro? How you doing? Uh,
0: Hello, bro. He's my bro. Uh, And listen, he takes no bull's eyes from nobody, uh, and he's always ready to let loose. He's the king of Christmas, Kevin the Hawkman Hudson. Oh, oh, holy moly. Uh, I gotta say,
2: this might be the longest we've gone in between Watch Clubs since we started. I think so. so I've been longing to hear, it's like a book club, only
0: better for for so long now. (laughs) Well, it is. It is much better than a book club. Yeah, you don't have to read anything. It's good to be back. I'm stoked to go in depth. We've got yet another Marvel Disney Plus live action series. We got six episodes to jump through. And so, you know, this Watch Club, a little bit different. You know, we know there's two episodes out. Uh, but we are going to be focusing on episode one for this one, and then we've got another Watch Club coming at you real soon for episode two. So guys, let's shoot this dangly thingy and just get right into the episode. Uh, we start this episode off in 2012, uh, is where we see see this series kick off, and we see a young Kate Bishop, you know, she's spying on her parents and all their marital issues, uh, and we, you know, then we get a nice moment with her dad and and you're kind of like, well, that guy's not going to last. And then later that day, she, you know, she gathers her checkers board and she starts to feel a rumbly in the building. And we see as uh, as unfortunately, Kate suffers the, the loss of her home at the hands of the Chitauri warriors. Uh, and during the attack, she witnesses Hawkeye being a straight up badass uh, just before her mother whisks her away to safety. Uh, and then at the end of that segment, you know, we, we learn that it wasn't just her home that she lost. Uh, her dad was also killed during the attack. And at the funeral, we get the kind of the sort of classic cliche superhero <laughs> inspiration moment of, you know, she turns to her mom and she just says, I need a bow and arrow. Uh, so, guys, let's start with this opener. What did you guys think of seeing the attack on New York from this different perspective? Uh, this is probably
2: the best opening to a, a Marvel show on Disney Plus yet, I think. It was Yeah, it was high stakes. It was a big budget spectacle and I mean the Battle of New York is just so pinnacle in the MCU and to us as fans it was that first huge moment in Marvel and so anytime we get a chance to revisit it they did a great job in Endgame this was awesome to see familiar sights, but from a different perspective again it just and it just shows how it shaped us as an audience but also this young girl as she grows up
0: Absolutely. And I love that's the biggest thing that I love is we're so deep into the MCU now that, yeah, getting to see these events from different perspectives, I kind of want to see other events from different perspectives as well. You know, we got a bit of that in in Loki. We've gotten it, as you said, in Endgame, a little bit in Ant-Man. But, um, you know, I really enjoyed seeing this from Kate's perspective. And uh, I like that we kind of have a character that. You know she's yes she's a street level character but she's not necessarily on the streets right she is she comes from money and so to kind of see that perspective um, is interesting in the MCU because I mean normally we see the sort of downtrodden you know down on their luck kind of hero Uh, and this is somebody who you know she's got she's got the she's got she's not coming from no wealth and so it's kind of an interesting sort of place to to put your character.
1: Sure. I, I guess it's the same sort of thing as, as Tony Stark, though, at the same time, right? He comes from money and he knows that he can do something different. I think if anything, though, like Nick, Kevin said, it it really does establish how the events that mean so much to us from the MCU are shaping and impacting, you know, the future heroes that we will see. And I think this is a great way to kind of, you know. Call back to a very important pivotal moment within the MCU and really connect the dots to how it impacted Kate Bishop's character. So I enjoyed that. I I enjoyed that they they did that. And I think, you know, again, as Kevin mentioned, I think it'd be great to see in other series and other movies, other events that kind of correlate with the development or the growth of, of new characters.
0: Yeah, it'd be cool if, like, you know, I think it's a great way to use those remixes, right? You, 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 instead of seeing the origin stories from completely out of left field, we see how maybe some of the things that we've already experienced as an audience have shaped some of these new heroes. So for, if this is how they kind of want to bring us into these young Avengers, into like a Miss Marvel, I am so for it. And I just thought, yeah, it was, it was really good. I will say the only thing that sort of had me a little down on it, it was a little cliche. It did feel a little sort of. It was probably the cheesiest part of the episode for me was the sort of just they're at the funeral and she, I need a bow and arrow. And I was just like, I that, that part felt a little unrealistic for me for 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 a series and for a show that is so grounded in reality. That part was a little bit on the cheesy side, but other than that, it was, uh, wasn't was too bad. Uh, Justin, I wanted to just quickly uh, mention, I think you had a theory. Uh, we were kind of talking a little bit off air. I mean, her dad died in that attack, right?
1: Well, my theory was that like... You know, there was obviously some sort of marital problems that were going on, as you as you described. They were they were fighting and they were saying they would have to sell the house. And, you know, my theory was, was that, you know, Eleanor Bishop said that she's going to go. She'll be right back, you know, while Kate went and got the check checkerboard. And, you know, where did she go? Right. Uh, You know, if not to, you know, deal with her husband. And then I don't know. I, I thought maybe maybe he was already dead before. Before the the before the attack even happened, because they you know, we'll get really into
2: intriguing. it. But. I mean, geez, that's certainly convenient, you know. Um, but I think it's perfectly plausible that her father's still alive, just because if you don't see it, did
0: it actually it happen? Did it actually happen? Right. Right. And we you know, we've seen characters who we have literally seen die in the MCU and come back. Um, so it's it's very possible. Um, but I, I, I just the moment we you sort of mentioned that off air, I was just kind of like, that's really intriguing. And I wonder if if they might bring, uh, you know, Eleanor as more of a villain in the series. Um, But listen, the episode then cuts to present day. We see Kate. She's hanging out with her friends, causing trouble. Seems to be a theme for her uh, throughout the episode. Uh, And we also learn about her, her mother's new untrustworthy fiance, Jack, his less trustworthy uncle, Armand. Uh, and Armand the Seventh, I think, was the other <laughs> little kid, which was a great little joke there. Uh, and, you know, after a black market auction gone wrong, we we get to see Kate. She's wearing the suit of the infamous Ronin, uh, and then she's attacked by a bunch of bros in tracksuits. It's kind of the majority of her story for this episode. So, you know, clearly we're getting our look at our first sort of, I guess, villains of the series. Uh, let's start off with the bros. Any thoughts on the, the bros? Do you think what's going on with Jack could have anything to do with this? Them like what? Are, what is your takeaway so far?
2: I mean, first and foremost, I think the bros are clearly just the henchmen for for a much bigger, uh, you know, baddie. Um, but and but they're a fun addition to the show. Like they're 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 great sort of fresh. Uh, you know set of henchmen than we've seen especially in this series or anything like that
1: yeah i i totally agree with that they're obviously henchmen to someone who's of much more importance but you know there there was a lot of things that kind of played out really interesting in that in that the sequence there with the black market auction um you know it kind of introduced how how jack there's some suspicion around him and we know you know based on his character and, and who he is from the comics the the swordsman uh, you know, there's already this, this oh, sort of yeah. heightened realization that he potentially could be, you know, shady if for, for lack of better words. Um, But to see him obviously in this auction and to see, you know, the events that went down and obviously him walk out with, with, with the Ronin sword, uh, that was obviously important, but it didn't seem like that. That's what the bros were there for. They right. were there for uh, a Tony Stark, Watch. It looked like that was taken from from the Avengers compound. Uh, Interesting. In so we
0: get more of those connections.
2: That's pretty cool. I, I just mm. see this Jack character, and he might as well be standing there twisting his mustache with the top hat on, like he's just <laughs> like so over the top suspicious that I don't believe that he will turn out to be. Yeah. Our, our bad guy like we're gonna
0: we're gonna learn more about this character and be sort of surprised about who he is I think he's a red herring exactly. absolutely, sure, absolutely I yeah. think I think they're leaning too hard on the can't trust him sort of vibe of the guy I think you know I think you're I think you're right but I think I think just like the bros, I think he's, yes, I think he could be maybe a, a shill to a, a larger, bigger villain, uh, whoever the big bad is for the series. Um, I would love to see maybe he has some sort of connection or if the bros have some sort of connection to another Russian-accented character that we know is going to be joining the show. We're going to be getting Yelena Belova at some point. Is that maybe a great way to sort of bring her in, either through him or through through the bros, I think would be... Pretty interesting Yeah that would make A lot of sense Right Right Russian people They all know each other I'm sure It's
2: a small country Um,
0: But no yeah I I think we will Definitely uh, Learn more about them Pretty quickly Um, So we see her Rescue a dog Uh, She heads back to Like I think Her apartment Or right And then uh, And then back to Armand's place uh, Only to discover And this is kind of The big shocking part Of the entire episode uh, For her character at least That he has been Murdered uh, he is dead on the ground. Um, so, you know, any thoughts on the biggest question of the episode? Who murdered Armand? What are your thoughts? Who who do you think so far? Do, do we think it's Jack? Do you think he stabbed him with that sword?
1: Well, they, again, going back to the, the auction scene, you know, it was clear that there was a bit of tension there. And and there was also, you know, tension between Eleanor and uh, Armand. I feel right. like there, there's something shady going on here. Um, and obviously, we're going to get more as to what but I don't know I'm kind of wondering if you know Armand was meant to pick up this sword for someone else and upon that person coming to claim that sword and finding out he doesn't have it uh killed him so interesting
0: yeah that could very well be the case I I do really but you planted this seed Justin of of Eleanor being this character that just makes her problems go away And uh, and I really like that in terms of like if that was the case, because, you know, she's got a daughter who's a who's a badass. Like, who's to say that she's not just out there just like you're going to threaten me and my family. no you're gone. And maybe she is this big mob boss that we're all referring to. Clearly up to no good. She and she's far more than meets the
2: eye. And that's apparent from the very first scene that we've already talked about right through here. She does not seem like an innocent person unaware of a lot of the things going on around here. who She might be pulling the strings. Yeah, like there's so many possibilities.
1: The biggest thing too is, you know, on two separate instances in this episode, Eleanor says, it's not your job to protect me. It's my job to protect you. And I think right. that that just is very mm. much a flex of the sort of power that she has and the control that she can kind of, you know, wield. So
0: she's a mom. Don't it go was up Eleanor all train. along, along, right. Let's go. Let's go. I'm on the Eleanor train now. Um, you know, the dog originally called arrow in the comics, uh, we can see that he's already been injured and beat him up. I, I'm assuming they've got that character, they've got him already, like, with the eye and everything at that stage, because, like, nobody wants to see that to happen to a, a sweet little pup. So, uh, but I do hope we get some action scenes. I know in the comics he's, he does some pretty dope stuff, so it'd be interesting to see. Uh, I hope it's not too CGI fake, like him catching an arrow in the middle of the air or something like that, but, uh... Uh, I'm really stoked to see more from, from him. So while this is all going down, let's let's get over to the other half of the episode uh, where we see Clint Barton and his kids uh, and they're attending Rogers the Musical, uh, which he he rightly walks out of. Uh, and Justin, I think you said you would want to walk out of that one too. Yeah, if I was him, um, for sure. Oh, if, okay, if you were him, for sure. Well, I mean, because he's experiencing these bouts of PTSD. You see him see the Natasha character on stage and it sort of gets to him and he turns off his, this is also the first time we get to actually see that character with the hearing aid um, before we get into like the PTSD and stuff like that, can we just talk about this music? Yeah, because like, holy crap, you can't just skip so over the, like
2: the probably the best part of the episode, right? This was so, so well good. done. Like it is, it is harrowing by the end of it when you see how it's affecting Hawkeye. But sure, it, at the at first, it's absolutely incredible. If somebody doesn't capitalize on this and turn this right. into a full length Broadway, like a spoofy fun take on it, yeah. would be so much better than anything they could do in a serious capacity and this would just be oh incredible my gosh. just the line
0: i could do this all day like it was just <laughs> he so a song about well, america's
2: ass like it would be incredible
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there is so much they could do with it you get uh maybe trey parker and matt stone to uh to join up with the marvel team and oh my gosh that would sell so much. Um, so good. Justin, what did you think of that that uh, musical? Would, would that be, you know, I know you said you'd walk out if you were Clint. Would you walk out if you were Justin though? Um,
1: I don't know. Like, I think for me, watching this, yeah, it was funny. The lyrics yeah. were quippy. Uh, I loved how they were trying to figure out the plan through, you know, musical song and dance. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know, like, as much as it is, you know, a parody and it's super funny, it just goes to show how far the MCU world or timeline has gotten away from the events of 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 twenty twelve, to the point where it's now been parodied as a musical. Um, yeah. I just think that it's it's very fitting that someone like Hawkeye would walk out because, you know, he lived that event. He he went through right. that trauma. He he's still dealing with that trauma. And you know, here is a bunch of people that are taking for granted their lives and yeah. they've turned it into this, you know, musical.
2: I never even thought about it from a broader perspective like that just. Like I, I totally honed in on and, and understood why Clint was suffering from it. But when you when you when you phrased it that certain way, this would be like and I honestly I or obviously I'm not making light of anything. This would be 9/11 the musical almost, you know? Yeah, I agree. And yeah. that is crazy wow. that that for us it would be a funny thing because it's based on movies, but this is the real life and they're just laughing at it. Wow. I never even realized how offensive it really is.
1: Thought of the same analogy, it's like it's like going to see a 9/11 musical. No one's going to do that because of just how much of a, a toll it has. Though we'll see movies and and stories that tell about the heroism that happened and you know the the events that went down. But I don't know if anyone's going to make light of it. And I, I get that they're not necessarily making light of what happened in 2012 uh, and and just that that moment. But they're they're also making light of of, of Rogers' journey, right? And and right. you know Steve Rogers is a hero. And you know you know again being able to see 2012 in two different aspects in the same episode first at the beginning damaging effect on New York and shapes Kate Bishop to want to be a hero you know we see it here being very lighthearted. you know everyone's having fun of Ant-Man's there when he shouldn't have been there right I love that I love that
0: guy was that guy wasn't there yeah
1: so like again it just goes to show that you know Clint is dealing with the emotional distress that being an Avenger has had on him and his physicality and his psyche and you know even just to the point when he goes to the urinal when he leaves and he sees Thanos was right it's just that reminder of like was it really worth it?
0: And you see you see him living with it whether he wants to or not and, and, and in ways that it, it actually does benefit him, but he doesn't want it right We see the dinner scene where where he's like, no, no, no you saved the city like no, no, that's not necessary, but he, he you know the dinners on the on the restaurant. and I just thought that part was uh, was interesting because you sort of see him look at his kids like he's kind of not necessarily like embarrassed, but he just it, it doesn't it, it doesn't feel normal. Right? He doesn't it, want to take he, the charity, he, right? Like right. He, for, he for wants doing it to just, just right. be right. Yeah. He, he mm-hmm. just wants to be a normal. Person yeah. and I think it. I think it really speaks to the aspect of celebrity as well, which is kind of a neat thing to see in the MCU because we don't we don't really get that too much in terms of getting to see them. Um, you know, there's the people that are close to them, but they're oftentimes in the military and things like that. So to see you know everyday humans interact with these people and treat them as if they're big time celebrities and like they they're they're to be looked at um, is is really interesting. Well, yeah, and it and it comes right back to that whole they're celebrities because
2: of their part in a tragedy, and you know, it's one thing to be a a famous actor, and and people want to take pictures and autographs and and buy you dinner. It's another when the reason they know who you are is because of what you've gone through, and like you just look at Kate, like, if Kate Bishop was in that theater for that play, she'd walk out too, because... You know that right. day she lost her father. It was that the day, day. her dad so, died. Yeah. yeah, it's just crazy to think about how these people are are not your typical celebrities because they're born often from tragedy or, or things they don't want
0: to reflect on. Often, mm. interesting. Interesting. Well, I mean, again, if it was a parody thing in in our world, I think it would be pretty hilarious. But yeah, for for those characters who lived it, uh, it's probably not the greatest thing to watch. Uh, so obviously, he walks out. They go to dinner, uh, and then after getting back to the hotel, you know, he witnesses on the news the kids pop on the news like it's too late for TV. Kids got to go to bed, and they they pop it on, and uh, and and they're like, "Yo, a ninja saved a dog!" And he looks at the screen, and he witnesses a ghost from his dark past, sort of alive again and uh, and fleeing from the explosion at the the gala event Uh, so he runs out to the street to confront the vigilante, uh, only to discover they're being attacked uh, again by those bros, uh, and so he, you know, they beat them up and that sort of thing. Uh, before we keep going here, what did you guys think of the action from this episode? I mean, this is our first sort of taste of uh, the sort of Hawkeye action. Did we find it was? Did you enjoy it? Did you find it was good? What, did, what you know? What do you think?
1: Well, it wasn't you know flippy doo you know superhero style. It was very grounded right. martial arts sort of. Practical. Punch you in the face kind of. Yeah, exactly. It it felt very suited to the hero that we're watching this story through the lens of, which is Hawkeye. So it felt very grounded. So it uh, it does make sense. Um, You know, we haven't obviously gotten into full bow and arrows yet. But, uh, you know, once that happens, then, you know, we're in full, full swing.
0: I can't wait. I mean we got that preview scene with uh, with you know with them trying out with Kate trying out the different arrows or whatever just like <laughs> the trick arrows and things like that. So um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the how creative they can get with that aspect. Well yeah, because they can't rely on
2: you called them the flippity doos just because this is so grounded and street level that, you know, we're gonna build up to through this these episodes with more and more action and bigger and bigger set pieces, you know, leading up to the car. And I think we'll get a huge finale and everything. But this was such a great introduction. It was a simple, quick, easy fight, right? Well choreographed, but it's just gonna build on that and build on that without getting too extreme and too marvelesque. It'll be grounded like the first part of Shang-Chi, right?
0: Right. And I I love that her, you know, she's got the the background for the the kind of explaining why she's so good, which is literally just she got her black belt when she was like super young. And she's I think the biggest thing for her. I mean, we see during the intro, uh, which we never even ch- chatted about, but that that sort of intro sequence, which is obviously very Matt Fraction artistry designed. We sort of see all the different things that she's she's grown up doing in the in that intro right they kind of show the different sort of sports that she does
1: we see the kind of person she is because of the accomplishments she makes and they uh, they capture that really well in the illustrative intro titles of you know showing her as you know growing up and practicing archery working in gymnastics and and martial arts and and all that sort of stuff and and i think that that's that was such a smart way to show a passing of time to show you know again her ability of, because I think that's kind of going to be her superpower. And I use air quotes around that. Right. Is her ability to always strive to be the best, to be an achiever, uh, and to be top in her game. And I think that, you know, right. we go right from that and right into, you know, seeing her try to, uh, you know, hit the bell. Right. It right. just goes to show that sort of cocky, uh, you know naive, very young uh, nature of, of her mentality where she's she's still figuring it out, but she, she has a lot to be cocky about because she's, right. she's really good at what she's she
0: does. accomplished a lot, but I think yeah. I think that uh, those accomplishments are overcompensations for the fact that she wasn't ready when her dad died, when they were attacked, right You see her in that funeral scene she's like, will they come back? And you yeah. know clearly she's she's trying to do so much to make sure that when they come back, she's ready. Right. And I'm, I'm stoked to kind of see kind of how she she shows off more of that prowess going forward. Well, I just think it goes back to who are
2: her parents. Right. You know, A, right. is it genetics? Are they also incredibly gifted at a wide variety of things and it's genetics? And B, you know, what kind of parent pushes their kid to do that sort of thing? Often it's they're doing it. They're encouraging them to, you know, learn these skills. Right. S- you know, subconsciously, mm. maybe. Interesting.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh. I, I think it. I think it could be genetics because I thought it was interesting. There's the scene when she's a kid in, in 2012 when they're in the kitchen. Eleanor is like, "Moms can be cool." Did yeah. you know I could do this? And she, you know, she pops the plate and fruit goes up in her mouth and she catches it. Then in the scene where she's uh, dressed in the Ronin costume and at the secret auction, uh, yeah. she does the same sort of trick and pops a bottle into someone's face from the ground. So oh, and she okay. hits the target. I like so that. I like it's that. It's an callback. interesting, small little callback that I might not necessarily. I might be reading far deep into it, but at the same <laughs> time, it's like it was the same pop. They gave it the same. sort Sort of visual.
2: Oh no, it's a hundred percent a callback. Great shout there. That's that's yeah. a great yeah, spot,
0: and it just shows you she's yeah. she's so so much more than meets the eye. Well, yeah. listen, Clint uh, pops his fist into a couple of those bros and rescues uh, who we know is Kate, who he hasn't found out yet. And he he you know he gets her and pulls her aside into the into the side of the street, and you know pops her hood off. And Kate, she's like she's freaking out. She's like you you're, you're Hawkeye, and of course he responds with, "And who the hell are you?" And then we get that kick to the end of the episode with some, uh, some good music uh, to, to wrap up the episode. Uh, so, guys, what did you think, you know, of this sort of we're left with this, I guess, this cliffhanger or Clint hanger? Um, are you too excited to see, uh, you know, these, these two team up?
1: again we've seen the second episode so we're obviously not going to talk about it so we know where things are going to go but i do like how this ended very much like the conclusion of one part of a a film kevin you were saying that the structure felt very segmented like parts of a movie that have just been cut up into episodes and that's probably how this is going to play out and i think we we got some of that in the falcon and winter soldier soldier but with with like loop de do plot holes and and just sort of reworking it didn't come off as well, so hopefully they don't have that here, but you know, knowing where we're going to be going in, in episode two uh I think that it does have this nice sort of cliffhanger right into the next episode, you know, sort of ending, so I think that it works well
0: yeah it's it's because i mean you you know uh just recently uh, i think i g n put up a story about how Marvel decided to switch Hawkeye from being a movie into a series, and it talks about the ability to sort of be a little more flexible with the characters, explore them a lot more. Um, You know, I think it's interesting because, you know, we've gone back and forth on the idea of uh, of Falcon and Winter Soldier, you know, should it have been a series, should it have been a movie, and I think ultimately a lot of people are on the camp of it probably should have been more of a movie. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, once all six episodes are out, is this going to have... That same effect on people, or are we going to be glad that we got all six, you know, forty-minute long episodes with these characters?
1: I think that was a question that came up in the uh, press conference, and Reese Thomas was mentioning that it's just this just affords more time. This affords more time in in a series capacity to to spend with these characters. There's there's not necessarily a need to to rush into the finish line. Uh, there's just more of an opportunity here. Now, I totally agree with you. I think the Falcon and Winter Soldier for the story that it was trying to tell it felt like a bit of a stretch, like they were stretching it to fit six episodes, uh, not really having everything intact, and and I think that shows.
2: Yeah, I 100% agree with both of you. I think uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier would have worked better as a movie because you noticed, especially in the later episodes, they were literally doing things like taking them apart for 15 minutes just to bring them back together. It was like they were buying time to fill out the runtime, whereas here, this show, and we know this from episode two, the the strength so far uh, going into episode 2 is the chemistry between these two characters and we just spent 35 minutes and they haven't even been on screen together and you know and yeah. like so they we've gone through a fir- a great first episode and we haven't even got that chemistry yet they say one line to each other it instantly defines their relationship going forward but we we
0: haven't seen any at least you just we're just getting started well listen we're just getting started with this series but i kind of want to get to the end of this this Watch Club here. I want to know what are your overall thoughts and your final score, which for this episode, we're going to be rating on a scale of one to five broken bell towers. Uh, Kevin, why don't you kick us off, bud? Personally, I absolutely
2: loved it. Uh, this show feels like it it's tailored to be my favorite of the Marvel series so far. It's just that grounded street level. Uh, Marvel that I prefer Over the bigger Mm. Bolder stuff Plus it's at Christmas I'm in Uh, The Christmas vibes Resonate through this episode It's just so jolly And fun Um, And I think it just Does a terrific job Of They're they're so smart To have put that second episode Because everybody's Going to want More right away And I just think this show's only going to get bigger and better and and more enjoyable as we go along. So I'm giving, but I'm going to start low because I think it's only going to get better. So I'm going to start with a 4.6 out
0: of five. Ringing bell towers. Wow, that's, that's that's low. Eh? I'm okay. I'm, I'm <laughs> low. A couple fives here, boys. I just see it happening. <laughs> he's he's putting it out there into the universe. Justin, what do you think?
1: Well, you know, I I I said most of what I thought, sort of in our 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 spoiler-free discussion. But I'll just reiterate some of it. You know, the street level story is just a really nice reminder. Uh, of the earthbound characters and the importance that they play in the MCU so to see you know how they structured this episode by focusing on both Kate and then Clint and then having them find each other at the end of this episode I think that that was really smart we got to see a a taste of both of their sides and also opposite ends right someone who is uh, like Kate Bishop naive energetic charming Uh, it, it serves as a reminder of what young heroes look like but what overconfidence looks like and what it looks like when someone's looking for trouble because I think in this episode very much trouble didn't find her she went looking for that trouble very much so and you have Clint and I think with Clint's character portrayal in this this series and and I'm very interested to see it there's such an emotional distress that that serves as a a bit of a point of conversation as he's been both a hero and a vigilante you know as the Ronin you know he that's that's going to take center stage in this in this series and and sort of highlight the looming effects that being a hero of the avengers has on the psyche and i think we got just a taste of that in this episode with that whole play scene where where he walks out but we also point out that he's losing his hearing and you know this this has a a toll and it's just a reminder of of the real thing about clint is that he's a human he doesn't have superpowers he is a great marksman he knows his target he knows how to hit that target and that's about it really right he has more to him that is is real than than maybe some of the other heroes. I know Tony was in a suit of armor and that was very much a a metaphor for the character that he was, but I think that the superpower that that we're really going to see take center stage here is Uh, His commitment to his family and and his loved ones and what that importance is. And, you know, like Kevin said, grounding this in in holidays and and putting it in a holiday theme that already just kind of speaks to family. uh, I think it's just so smart. So, yeah, I'm going to give this one a four point five out of five broken bell towers.
0: Well, you know, for me, you know, I said in our preview, I uh, I, I was jazzed getting into this series. Um, I'm jazzed about the idea of continuing to get these characters that people don't even care about, uh, you know, a few, you know, a few years ago, or even as we're watching the first Avengers movies, as we're watching the events of 2012, we didn't really care too much about Hawkeye. I don't think the general public could say they did. Uh, and so to be able to see a character in this light now, as we've grown with the character um, and getting to see them in this series and have this series kind of reshape that character for us uh, and see how it reshaped Kate, I think is going to be really, really cool. So um, I think the episode does such a great job, as I said, of keeping Kate and Clint apart long enough for us to catch up with Clint. And get to know Kate and her mom and everything that's going on in that side. So um, I think the action is fantastic. It's again, it's more of that grounded level daredevil hallway action that we we always talk about, and I'm all for it. Um, I loved seeing Clint as a dad. I think you know, again, it speaks to the aspect of family and and the human aspect of him and I think he's a great dad I actually like I was like I want to be this guy's son and actually believe it or not one of his son's name is named Nathaniel uh which is pretty dope so I was like yeah. oh and so they have a, a motto Nate. don't lose Nate which is very similar Nate. it's the same so thing you guys say we when travel, we we're walking around the don't city. lose yeah. Nate <laughs> don't lose don't lose Nate and we always um do. you know uh but I am you know I'm so charming and Haley Steinfeld is so charming as well lovely uh she's so lovely as Kate and I think you know, I think it's a bit cheesy. It's a bit cliche in terms of her motivation to become a hero. Um, I, I, I think that wasn't as grounded as I think the episode in the series uh, is going to give us. I, you know, I think that street level realism is really refreshing for the MCU. So uh, more of that, uh, please. And uh, I think, you know, every now and then we, we do get to see it. And so I'm hoping we get more. But um, yeah, this episode did a great job of kicking things off. But I have a really strong feeling that the best is yet to come. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start off really low here, really low, and I'm gonna give this uh, this <laughs> this episode a four out of five. Broken Bell Towers, great stuff, Marvel. Let's go. All right, well, that's it for this series premiere of our Watch Club for Marvel's Hawkeye. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Watch Club. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, or, you know, if there's something we missed in this episode that you're like, they didn't even talk about that, please let us know. Throw us that question. And, Justin, can you let our listeners know where to aim to be able to reach us. (laughs) I don't know. I was trying to come up with something. That was a good
1: one. Uh, Well, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. But if you don't want to email us, you can reach us on Twitter at geekcentricYT or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. So you have three targets to hit.
2: People needed to see Nate's arms doing the motion as he said (laughs) that to really get why that was so amazing.
0: Um, (laughs) Well, yes. I, I like to sort of... You know, I'm a very handsy kind of talker. You know what I mean? I'm going to use my, my actions here. Uh, keep in mind, we also have a ton of other episodes covering the latest and greatest shows and movies out now, including our spoiler-filled review for Ghostbusters Afterlife, uh, as well as our spoiler-free review for both Netflix's Cowboy Bebop and Masters of the Universe. Revelations Part 2 We also have our latest trailer drop For that second Spider-Man trailer that I'm sure Everyone has seen a million billion times So if you want to listen to those, hear our thoughts On all that stuff and leave a 5 star review That would just be wonderful Justin, Kevin, thank you so much For joining me for this Watch Club And as we say Good boy boy, pizza dog. dog